Hi, I'm Tyra G., your host of Frankly Speaking with Tyra G. Welcome again to our virtual global gathering of phenomenal women and those who love you. Yes, you, mothers, daughters, grand and great-grandmothers, fearsome and generous, humble and honest, in pursuit of new possibilities and purpose. You know, we dig deep here and we come up strong. For those of you joining us for the first time each month, we explore a new theme inspired by you. Yep, I said you. We bravely walk into places where tradition has taught us there's some things we just don't talk about, but not here, not at this table. And no matter how hard judgment knocks, it can't come in. Beloved, here we live beyond the wreckage. Every week, we experience, encourage, educate, and empower each other. We share some aha moments and stories that have been left in your pockets for too long. Every week, we start right where we are. I am so excited about how this show is progressing. We're celebrating the fifth month of proof. Dreams can come true. Frankly speaking with Tyra G is one of my most priceless dreams. And I thank God for every remembrance of you, your gifts, and your presence and your encouragement. They have really inspired me. You know, I can't do the show without you. Thanks so much. You're listening to Radio Fairfax, Fairfax, Virginia, on your TV, computer, or mobile device. And we are webcast worldwide on the Internet at www.radiofairfax.org every Saturday evening at 8 p.m. Should you miss us? No worry. You can catch us on YouTube at Frankly Speaking with Tyra G. Now, if you just feel like connecting with me offline, you know, I like that, and it's real easy. Email me at Tyra at TyraGarlington.com, and thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you, Courtney Nero, for composing and performing our Frankly Speaking theme song. And for naming it, I'm listening. Our theme this month is Voices from the Future. Unique title, huh? Well, we all know the future's now. We're living among our future, our youth. And I have been excited this whole month talking to young people, millennials, Gen Xs, and I actually had a fifth grader in here today that just showed out, showed up, and was wonderful to talk to. I believe that uh, we have a job. However old we are, we have to prepare ourselves to deposit and leave a legacy for those who come behind us. So I want you to think about this month, Voices from the Future, and put it up against a background that says, for the first time in United States history, we have four generations in the workplace at the same time. Yeah. And each generation has its own cultural influencers that dictate how they view the world. For instance, when I was growing up, I saw the man, the first man, step out on the moon and full of hope, full of hope, thinking everything was possible after that. And at the same time, very soon after, I saw the Kennedy assassination and felt very hopeless. Gen Z was born into a world post-September 11th, and mental health research has told us there's a lot of anxiety, anxiety there. Add to that a technology revolution. A technology revolution that impacts learning and communication styles as well as buying decisions. 
Imagine advertising and management challenges contained in the unique perspectives of all four generations sitting around a table making critical decisions. You know what? I have done this, and it is remarkable. Each week this month, we are hearing in their own voices from both Generation Z and Millennials. Today, you will be joined by three millennial guests in our studio discussing the things that resonate with them. But first, who are millennials? I'm glad you asked. These stats I'm going to read are just sound like I'm just reading numbers. What I want you to do, there are a few of them that jump out at me, and I'm going to ask our guest to uh, make a few comments against them. I have them in categories, and the first is Millennials and the Economy. This is not a test. This is just for you to hear, to put a frame around our discussion. But listen to this. Millennials have $1 trillion in student debt. The average member of Gen X carries $45,000 in debt. Unemployment is 16.3% of Millennials. 284,000 American college students working are working at minimum wage jobs in 2012. Now that's a mind blower right there. That'll take the air out of a balloon. 63% know someone who had to move home because of the economy. But here's one I like to land. This is a place I like to land, and it's the values of millennials based on this research. 81% have donated money, goods, or services. 75% see themselves as authentic and are not willing to compromise their family or personal values. This generation is on track to become the most educated generation in American history. Hmm. 61% of millennials are worried about the state of the world and feel personally responsible to make a difference. Now, all of the people sitting around this table are employees, so let's see what millennials line up as employees. By next year, millennials will account for 36% of the U.S. workforce. And by 2025, wow, they will account for 75% of the global workplace. Hmm. 41% of millennials will do what their managers tell them to do, which is a little different than some of the older generations. 84% say that helping to make a positive difference in the world is more important than professional recognition. Let's go down to consumers. 41% of millennials have made a purchase using their smartphones. 48% of millennials say word of mouth influences their product purchase more than any TV ads. 41% of millennials have had no landline at home and rely on their cell phones for communications. Now, you didn't remember all that. But what you do realize is that they have buying power, a lot of it. What you also heard is they owe a lot of money. What you also heard is they donate a lot of money. And that they're going to be the most educated generation of our time. I'm going to have, after our break, our guest, Hannah Weir, Sam Rogers, and Ryan Wilson, talk about a couple of those they have picked out that resonate with them. Back. And now it's time for 
our guests to speak in their own voices and tell you a little bit about themselves. Hannah, why don't you start out? Hey, Tyra, how are you? Thanks for having us. It's good to see you again. I'm loving this very organized list you put out for (laughs) us, so I can just make this up on the fly. Yes, you can. Uh, I am from a family of five. I'm the eldest of three gals from Pittsburgh, Um, so I moved very far away down to this area because I'm pretty sure I'm related to everyone in Pittsburgh, so just to make sure nothing gets weird, I had to come down here. Um, How's that working for you? Good. No one looks like me. It's awesome. <laughs> I appreciate that a lot. <laughs> I hear you. Uh, so I made my home the D.C. area. Went to George Mason for film and video studies and business. Uh, and I currently work as an editor. And what I think people are surprised by is that I'm actually quite short because I make sure I, I do that thing, you know, like um, if bears are around, you're supposed to make yourself bigger. I just do that all the time. So <laughs> that way people are like, oh, she's quite small. Um, I feel but like I, I have to I have to ask you to put a comma there because I have experience. <clears throat> excuse me. I have experience Hannah as a teacher and she seems extremely tall, extremely tall when she's spouting technical stuff. I felt very short in her class. <laughs> I'm afraid I wasn't a very good student. So I think it has a lot to do with perspective and perception. Yeah, I, I disagree. I think you were a very good student. Um, and I feel like that's the kind of talent is kind of like explaining more complex things a little bit more streamlined than the, what they um, actually are. Because I know, like, I, especially teachers, I feel like they can kind of get that big head and you'd be like, look how smart I am. But it's like, that's not what you're getting paid to do. You're supposed to help teach us get people. to where so, we're going. Yeah. Yeah, just poor teachers in my life always kind of did that like what do you mean you don't understand it's like I'm 11 I don't know anything that's why you're here uh, I'm not gonna say how old I am but I don't know anything. Uh, uh, and I'm trying to think what else um what do you dream what do I dream of mm-hmm. I want to have a nice project like I want to I want to make a project that I'm very proud of and that I can show people because right now most things I make ah. Uh, I'm not going to put them on YouTube, I guess would be the phrase. So I want to learn something or make something impactful. I like documentaries, so something of that sort would be really kind of fun to do down the line. I would think that would be exciting. I mean, the world today, its you got all kinds of places to choose from in terms of topics. Oh, yeah. yeah. So it's really just putting a bunch of topics in a hat and then making it. So mm-hmm. that's kind of the overall goal long term. Okay. Um, getting rich, too, would be kind of nice. But I got a BA, so we'll see. <laughs> Uh, I know you work hard. I know you spend time on your dream. What else do you do free time? Free time. Um, I do the same thing you do. I like to make my own little radio show, trying to develop, uh-huh. um, trying to teach some other friends how to use it properly, uh, which is, I, mm, it's going. Uh, <laughs> it's a process, isn't it? It's a process. Yes, I think it they is. Don't, I think they don't realize how labor intensive it actually is. Yeah. Um, it's a very, it's a hobby you have to work hard at. Yes. Um, but, you know, that's what makes it, I think, a little bit more um, enjoyable. But um, I also like watching really bad movies, if I can help it. I'm into more black and white movies now. I've gone retro. I don't know why. The old school. Yes. Kind of, uh, and yes. I turn off the sound to see if, you know, how they used to do so much drama with their faces. Mm-hmm. And I try to read what they're doing. And, eh, you know. <laughs> and then I fall asleep. Whatever. Yeah. That's, they're a perfect thing to go to sleep to. But, yeah, I, I love subjecting people I care about to really bad movies. So that's kind of what I do on the weekend. Okay. All right. Are you ready to hand off or you got some more? Um, uh, no. I think that's kind of it. Okay. Ryan. <clears throat> yes. My name is Ryan Wilson. 
I am 25 and also went to George Mason for film and video. Had a class with Hannah. Pretty convinced she didn't remember that when we first met again. It almost looked like it floored you right now. No, no, no. We definitely (laughs) worked together. We had that screenwriting class for our final project. I'm sure we had more. I just can't. I don't think we were ever paired together. No. Like, we never worked together. She had friends and cared about school, so she went there. I just went and left. I didn't really... Ryan would do that. He'd sit in the back going, I'm not needed. Yeah. Good day. We'd try not to participate. (laughs) Try not to go if I could help it. Well... Was not a fan. But I like the... I like... How did you get through? I'm incredibly smart. So I just coast. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, because... Because C's get degrees. So I could just... (laughs) attend do the bare minimum you know this this is i love this because it's so authentic uh i want i guess in fair disclosure i I think that's baloney too because he did hand in an assignment every time we had to read out loud i did the stuff you did the work i did the work i just wasn't constantly there (laughs) and i wasn't a public speaker okay so i didn't like any of the classes any of the classes that i would have to get up and do presentations for i wouldn't go to those but i like the film and video classes those were always fun um, but so I try to do everything with that. I work here as a program coordinator. I've been here for... What does that mean? Um, so all the shows that come in, so like your show, and mm-hmm. then all the TV shows as well, not just the radio, mm-hmm. essentially have to QC those, which is quality control, go through, make sure they're following our standards and You guides. mean you have to listen? Yes. Yeah, but not complaining. like it quite a lot. Um, the TV shows too. Some of them are hilarious, but... Um, so basically go through, make sure those are acceptable for air, and uh-huh. schedule them in our server so it can go out. Okay. Because, see, there are people nationally and internationally may not understand what we do here at Fairfax sure. Public Access. That's why I was pushing you for, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so basically, so if your show were to come in and we were to find out one of the things you were doing was saying, I got Tyra Garlington gear now. Come buy my Frankly Speaking shirts. That's not fair. We would say, no, no, no. You can't, you can't do that here. This is public access. You're fired. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Nonprofit. So, um, so yeah, so stuff like that. Just make sure everybody's abiding the guidelines and mm-hmm. things like that. Um, and on the side, I try to freelance as much as I can. Video projects or um, photography, whether that be, you know, local actor headshots or weddings and things like that. Now, is that hard, both you and Hannah, is, is it hard for you to get jobs gigs on the side if you is that hard uh freelancing can go one of two ways um i do majority post-production work or audio compared to ryan who does he has his own um camera gear so Uh he would naturally if he would decide to do a wedding he'd be more likely going to the wedding Uh and then i'd be like oh i hopefully someone trusts me with footage afterwards or audio work okay i got it so um with the internet it's kind of like, oh, am I willing to drive out to Annapolis to do this? Or am I going to end up in someone's dungeon for a bit? So, and you don't like, know. No, you don't. <laughs> you have How no about idea. that? Yeah, yeah. I was just, you know, I was curious because I know all three of you have such great talent. And, yes, you have a, a job, but I, I don't know how much the job is digging into your dreams and your talents and your gifts, you know, so... I think it's good practice, especially like um, like with my audio gear. I like practicing on other people and things. And, you mm-hmm. know, you can do can do photography and kind of the, everyone needs a photographer eventually. Like, oh, hey, can you like get me this p- photo or even like a job headshot for like LinkedIn? Yeah. Or something like that. Like, hey, yeah. you got a nice camera. Can you make me look good? Kind of. <laughs> what, what this yeah. job has done for me working here is it's put me around other people that are film and video oriented. So even though I love working here, I really do. And I'm not just saying that it's great. I don't see myself here in a few years. 
But for now, what it's done is gotten me to learn a bunch of different equipment, gotten mm-hmm. me to see a lot of other people's work. So I know I'm getting other ideas, seeing what they do with their equipment, meeting other like-minded, like me, Sam and Hannah, if we do projects on the side and things like that. I met them through here because everyone comes here because they have the do same. Do you all work together ever? Uh, here or in No, on your, on your side, on the side. We've done one, three of us so far, but I haven't, it's kind of up to me to continue chiseling the rest of that out and it wasn't. Oh. Haven't haven't gotten there yet. Okay. We're kind it's of in pro- the eternal, oh, that's a good idea. Let's put that in pre-production. It's a yeah. process, so, right? Yeah. We've been, pro- we've been, we talked a week or two ago, and Hannah's got an idea that we're all going to embark on pretty soon. So, But, yeah, we, we, we get out there. Okay. Last but not least. Hi. I mean, <laughs> I feel like it's unfair to try to answer questions without introducing myself first. <laughs> You're just that angry ghost in the we, corner. We kept did ta- did, did Ryan? Wait a minute. Did Ryan minutes. introduce himself? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm so far back now. I have the project for you three to work on. Hi, everybody. <laughs> My name's Sam Rogers. How are you guys? Um, thank you, Tyra, for having us on. I think this is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, to get to know me, well, I'm an artist at heart. Uh, I have this constant need to create. Primarily, I like to focus on writing, uh, both fiction and poetry, but I'm also familiar with, you know, physical media, such as creating film. I enjoy, you know, ceramics, charcoal, and even doodling in the corner of my page whenever I get a chance. Uh, I can be found wherever books and coffee uh, tend to congregate, uh, or spending my time with close friends watching sports or film. I'm driven by an inner competitiveness to always know more. Eventually, I want to go back to school. I always enjoy learning, and I always have fascinations with stuff such as architecture, mm. archaeology, and history. Uh, event- uh, a dream I will never abandon will be to you know write for a living, to be that, uh, to have that substantiate me, mm-hmm. to knowing where I can wake up and just work from an office in my own home and write. Write what? Uh, fiction, poetry, stuff that I'm passionate about, stuff okay. that I feel compelled to write, stories that I come up with. Do you write now? I do. I okay. do as write, write as often as I possibly can. Wonderful. He's mm-hmm. an award-winning writer, too. Uh-oh. I've gotten a couple of awards. Well, well why don't I know this? Uh, I, t- <laughs> I tend not to speak about it just because there are more, there are local awards, and I've, I've been published in, like, small magazines, but nothing to be too braggadocious Excuse about. Excuse me. Excuse me. All right, now I got to do the Tyra thing. Yes, Tyra. Okay, we all come here with gifts. We're all creative, and we're all amazing. Don't ever downplay recognition. I I I I don't downplay recognition. Don't say it's just a local award. Say I have this award. I, I do. <laughs> I, I've won a I've won an award in Washington D.C. Uh, for the best speculative uh, fiction for a summer contest uh, done. Speculative fiction tends to cover uh, sci-fi, fantasy, and horror. It's one of the new Nobels. Well, okay. Well, the now, I, am I allowed to ask you? I'd like to read this at some point. Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, you can definitely uh, take a look at it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who knows? It's just a, t- a short 14-page story. I like that. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. Okay, I'm sorry. I interrupted because I didn't know. No, no, no. Uh, that's perfectly fine. Uh, I think uh, for me... Uh, a lack of patience tends to be my largest flaw. Uh, I think sometimes that can lead to me being having a pessimistic attitude. Uh, sometimes I wish I could change, you know, the stuff I've done in the past, mm-hmm. uh, taking advantage and uh, disrespecting friends and loved ones. Mm-hmm. And then, but now what I try to do my best is to take those lessons uh, about my past uh, to help me guide decisions for now and into the future. And I, I want to. Uh 
add my many years of experience to tell you that you want to look back and not stare. So if you just reach back and take lessons, but don't get stuck back there because you're, you're becoming every second of the day, right? And you want to be on track for your miracle. Absolutely. All right, so that's cool. Now, did you see or did any of you, did we talk about this? See, now what happened? Hmm? I'm off on a whole new conversation about getting to know y'all. Well, when I read you those stats, did you come up with any ideas about the generational stuff, the values, the economy, anything that I said that made any sense or not? There's a few things. I think uh, I think what stirred the most passion inside me of all those stats that you prevent, uh, provided us was <laughs> the, you know, 61% of the millennial generation concerned on the state of the world and seek to improve it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm very, I'm a big believer in seeking, you know, enhancing our renew- renewable energy sources, you know, mm-hmm. finding mm-hmm. out and try to spread the word uh, mm-hmm. to, you know, step away from fossil fuels and mm-hmm. to reduce everybody's carbon footprint uh, to the best that they can. You know, for example, you know, taking public transportation. Mm-hmm. I know Ryan is grimacing right now, <laughs> but... Uh, only a little bit. I, I think. I think encouraging public transportation. You know, allowing for natural light. You mean the, the kind that doesn't break down? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I personally like my metros on fire because it's, it's warmer in the winter. So. <laughs> it's a bit. I wish you all were here with me. This is great fun. We just don't have popcorn. <laughs> yes, it was. Yes, it was. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, uh, I think uh, we should also try to. You know, I. I allow for natural lighting during the daytime. I tend not to turn on lights around the house. Something, you know, even the smallest things you can do can yeah, seek the improvement. Mm-hmm. You know, reducing the consumption of red meats, primarily, you know, beef and cows. You know, it's a, it's a large contributor to some of our issues right now. So A lot uh, of our health issues. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, I think maybe, you know, as a society, we it'd be helpful to just, you know, be able to have that common place where we could sit down and talk about how we can do that. And I think it's important. Mm-hmm. I'm glad to know that millennials are taking a big step in that direction. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, You know, I, kudos. I'm giving you a generational kudo. Ryan, did you find anything you wanted to comment on? <laughs> no, no. I mean, well, no, it's just interesting because we don't, like, sit around and have conversations about that. Like, no one's just, like, I hang out with Sam a lot at work and then away from work as well. And we <laughs> never really are just like, so what do you think about, like, renewable energy? So it's like hearing him talk about that and knowing my general apathy towards that whole topic was like, whoa, that was interesting. I didn't know he was so passionate about but that. But he knew that you, he knew your reaction. Well, he knew I, I get to a whole new level, like motion sick. So it's like I go on a roller coaster for five seconds and I'm going to yak. Yeah. So I don't get on metros or anything. Okay. That's uh, all right. You don't have to. No. He also burns his own garbage. Wait a minute, Ryan no, no, or no, Sam? No, 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 no. Ryan. Ryan? No, she's just being just complete disregard. No, I won't. Any if I have to get into a taxi or a metro or a plane, I just get really sad. I'd rather just always drive my car. Always. I never. I don't even get in the car with other people when they're driving if it's longer than twenty minutes because I'll be sick for a while. But well, you, you know, this it. is nice to know about you. Yeah, I can't do it. It's there weird. and and I I have to say this to you: mm-hmm. you're not alone. So be encouraged. Yes. Okay. Just suck down Dramamine. All right. <laughs> Okay, well, I have something that I'm going to play for you, and I want you to think about after you hear it. No, I want you to comment on it. That's what I want. Editorial comments. Okay, let's see here. Oh, 
it's not starting. I have this whole thing all planned for you. Okay. There it is. These days, if you call up a friend, say, on the younger side, you might hear something like this. This is Rajiv. Please text or send me an email. I can't answer. You can try email or text, and I'll get back to you soon. Please do not leave a message. Thank you. Those are actual voicemail greetings from the millennial generation. As part of our series New Boom, NPR's Rachel Rood helps us understand why 18 to 34-year-olds would prefer that you not leave them a message. Thank you very much. At the tone, please record your message. When We've you all heard that automated voicemail lady telling us what to do after the beep, but fewer people than ever are leaving messages. And my generation, millennials, we won't even listen to them. I did have, at one point in time, like 103 unheard messages. That's 31-year-old Antonia Kidd, who's part of the generation that's simply abandoning voicemail. It's a trend I hadn't really thought about until I read about it in a New York Times article. The phone service Vonage has seen a significant decline in voicemail retrievals over the past year. Jane Buckingham, a trend expert at Trendera, says it's millennials who are out in front. Wherever we're talking to them, we're hearing the same things, which is when it comes to voicemail, they're just over it. The main problem Antonia Kidd has with voicemail is that it's time-consuming, and she's tired of listening to butt dials and rambling messages. If someone really wants to get a hold of her, there's lots of ways they can do it. I guess I usually just assume that it's probably not that important if you didn't text me and you didn't send me a message on Facebook. And a lot of people between the ages of 18 and 34 feel that way. But step inside the office and the old rules still apply. There's no escaping the beep. When you say hello, my name is, smile when you say it. And also sit up straight, believe it or not. That's Patricia Napier Fitzpatrick. She runs the Etiquette School of New York and teaches college students and young professionals how to behave in the business world, including how to leave a proper voicemail. The fact that we have four generations in the workplace and they're going to be there for some time, the younger generations, the millennials, the Y generation, they're going to need to adapt. But that doesn't stop some millennials like 26-year-old Nick Siriano from feeling that voicemail is clearly a thing of the past. It might evolve into something kind of special and exciting, like uh, like a telegram once was. Jane Buckingham, the trend analyst, says that my generation is just doing what works for us. You know, everyone criticizes the millennials for being the me generation and being so entitled. I don't think they're so entitled. I think they're just, you know, incredibly pragmatic. So for them, if a voicemail isn't practical, which most of the time it isn't, and there's a more practical way of delivering the same information, they're going to go for that. And not this. You have 24 messages. Are you still there? <laughs> Rachel Rude, NPR News. So where do you stand on voicemail? Tell us at NPR.org or on social media using the hashtag NewBoom. It's your turn. What did you think about that? None of that was surprising. Really? <laughs> no, not a bit. So, do I don't even understand voicemails or the purpose of them. Okay. I feel like we are, don't rely on them as much uh -huh. because before, like, my parents couldn't text on their phones uh -huh. like as like we could now. Like, texting is far more efficient, and it's just quicker as well. Like, mm -hmm. if I get a call from my mom and I miss it, she's going to text me back right away and just be like, 
hey, by the way, just to ensure that that's two forms of trying to contact me. But on the other side, I feel like it is important to know how to speak on the phone, just because at my current job, like, we, I don't prefer it, especially to get quick info. Like, if I'm going to call Ryan, I'm just going to call, like, message him, like, hey, we're meeting for Tyra today at this time, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Sam confirms this time. I'm like, all right, cool. That I did not need to call two individual people for that. But Okay, so um, I'm getting all kinds of, I get what you're saying. I, I really do. And if you all want a big laugh, I was working at IBM, a marketing rep, when there was no voicemail. You ready for that? We had a secretary. So I would be out in the field, and I would call on the pay phone sure. to get my messages. And the day that the CEO of IBM, you know what he did on Friday? Hmm. Monday, there was no more secretary. So we had to learn email and voicemail. And you talk about non-productivity. So we saw that as extremely productive. But what I'm hearing you say now is it's easier to text. No, it's more efficient mm-hmm. to text. But at the same time, I, do you ever talk to people on the phone? Oh, I do. I feel like that's never going to go away, especially okay. like just like I'm far away from a lot of my family and like friends I grew up with. So it is nice to just kind of like if I'm not messing with them, like I can message them during the daytime. Like, well, we're both at work and we should be working. We're not. We're talking to each other. But, um, you know, like calling up older relatives especially uh-huh. too. But um, I think it's also a very good indicator of just your social abilities, like especially like if you're speaking to someone for a job or like oh, yeah. leaving a message. Like uh, mm-hmm. like my work, we I was told to call this um, woman just so we can ensure that like the lines of communication are not going to be lost in any way because we already were emailing. He's like, just call her. It's mm-hmm. quicker. And I kind of like winced a bit Mm -hmm. but i'm like all right i I can call someone professionally and speak because you know especially if it's college administrations or job offers Mm -hmm. like a text like you can do whatever you want in an email but if you can't articulate your goals and what you're meaning for then like that advantage is going to go to somebody else and i i was thinking as i was looking at you and we are talking Mm -hmm. face to face voice to voice i remember when i talked to my son I can tell by his voice. I can tell. He may say I'm fine, and the way he says it, he's not. You know, so I, I can't, when he texts me, I can't pull that out. You know, I don't have, and sometimes I need, I need to hear his voice. And I know he needs to hear mine as well, you know. But um, we talk on the phone a lot less than we text. But as a mother, Sometimes I just need to know, because this world is not that kind to y'all all the time. You know that? Did you know that? Mm. Sometimes it's challenging. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you just need to talk. But I could, I'm an outlier, apparently. How did you, th- what did you think about that? No, no, I, I think, at least I didn't interpret it necessarily against phone calls. I think it's specifically the voicemail. Like, yeah. I'll call people a lot, and I get a lot of phone calls. But you won't leave voicemail. It's just, it's kind of pointless. Like, I my grandmother will leave voicemail and like, you know, if like the car dealership is like your car is ready. I get mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. But I don't understand. Yeah. The, the general point of it now with texting being so obvious and 90% of the time, if you listen to a voicemail mm-hmm. from like a friend or something, it's mm-hmm. just like, call me back. It's like, yeah, I would have done that when I saw the missed call. Like when I hear people say like, like, Oh, they didn't leave a message. So it's not that important. I'm like, no, no, no. They just didn't want to waste a minute saying, call me back. It means, them back and that's what i do every time if i see mm-hmm. call. if somebody's called you yeah right so i don't yeah the the whole premise it, it it is kind of a waste of time especially with 
just everyone being at work all the time and the pace of everything going on. Mm-hmm. Like, if you have something you want to tell me, yeah, text it. I can look at my phone at any point. I can't just take a call and and um, check so, my voicemail. So am I also hearing both of you say that you are extremely efficient in written communication? I feel comfortable with it. Like, at least for me personally, when you were saying that you talk to your son and you're like, I need to, I can't get the subtleties of mm-hmm. what he's saying out of it. I've observed that too with like my mother and my father and stuff. But if I'm texting like Sam or Hannah or my girlfriend or something and somebody's just like, I'm fine, I'll know when they are or they aren't based on the way they use it, our context, if they throw in any like emojis or exclamation marks oh, or dear, something. Oh how, dear, how sin, oh, oh, I'm sorry, neglectful. Oh, emojis, gifts, and news. I got it. You know what I mean? So, like, if if you can communicate attitude and feeling through motion, I got that. And it's it's funny because my father is—he just turned sixty, and he will—he doesn't. It's only words. It's no anything. It's just words. So for him, you have to know if he says, "I'm fine," it probably means he is okay. He's not throwing an attitude or anything. But for Mm -hmm. my girlfriend, who's twenty-four, if she texts me and she just says the words "I'm fine," I'm like, "Mm, something's wrong better call her or get it out of her. And nine times out of ten, if she only said, I'm fine, she's not fine. So it kind of judges the person. It depends on how well you know them. And mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Sam? You have any? <laughs> Sam? <laughs> I, I leave voicemails for uh, my professional work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I Like when I need to contact members, uh, say they have equipment late or I need to confirm something about the reservation they've made. Mm-hmm. I would leave voicemails if it's necessary, but yeah, I don't. Uh, I wouldn't do it in my personal life. Uh, don't do it on my cell phone. If I need to get in contact with someone immediately, I'm more than likely will call them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but leaving a voicemail uh, is, I think, there's less room to be misconstrued if you just send them a text. Uh, and plus, I think. Wait, let me make sure. You think it's. There, there's less opportunity to have something misconstrued in a written text than yes. a voicemail. Yes. Okay. And uh, plus the jobs that me, Hannah, and Ryan work, it's more or less, uh, oppor- it's more or less uh, better to text because it doesn't involve making noise. And we might be in a situation where we can't make noise. Okay. So. Okay. What about, does anybody ever use email anymore? Oh, yeah, yeah, yes. Definitely email. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I still e- e- email is primarily for you know job applications, mm-hmm. uh, you know professional workplace uh, communication. Uh, whether it be you know Sam, you need to mark the times you work this week, or Sam, mm-hmm. you need to make sure you're at this meeting here. Uh, and I'm sure Hannah and Ryan have similar uh, applications. So for documentation, exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. So I heard, um, I think I was at a conference a couple of weeks ago, and they said, well, you know, email is snail mail. If you really want something communicated immediately, the ground rules are text. But this is the next question I have. What are your expectations when you text someone? A uh, response eventually. Would be nice. Eventually? Would be awesome. Uh, For me, to give an involved answer, if I could, yeah. it's like sure. it, First of all, it depends on the context, and it depends on how – well, I know the person. Like, if I were to text... I agree. If I were to text Sam on, like, a Monday at 1045, mm-hmm. I'll know he's either at his house or out with friends or something. He's not at, like, a work meeting or he's not asleep. 
Mm-hmm. So I know if I text him at 1045 and mm-hmm. it's something like pertinent, like, yo, I, I need this response right now. I'll just ignore him. Right. <laughs> so if he doesn't do that, then, I, then I'll then i get frustrated. But if I text, you know, Hannah at like Tuesday at three in the afternoon and I'm like, hey, we really got to work on a project sometime together. Like, let's get cracking. Mm-hmm. That's not like something I'm begging for an immediate response. And it's also not something I expect one because I know she's at work. Okay. But I think all things in all, it's, you know. Texts are immediate. You get the notification. like, And especially now, I have a buddy that constantly is like, oh, my phone this and my phone that. It's like, no, dude, it's 2018. Your phone's fine. Like, you haven't had 15 consecutive broken phones. Like, you you get your texts. Like, stop. So that annoys me. So uh, do you ever turn your phones off? Uh, no. I do um, on occasion. Like, I've turned it on silent. But yeah, uh-huh. um, if I need to just, like, like kind of get rid of the techno stress it's mm-hmm. a nice way to be like no, like i've been trying to this new year read at least 10 minutes a day mm-hmm. so like that's like a nice way to distract I, why are you laughing like i can't read are you, are you 400 huh? are you 400 yes <laughs> need to get away from my phone well, well like uh just because i can't like now i have to look at a computer screen all day and i have to sit all day too so that's not like a, and it's not my home desk too where i can i'm not old <laughs> sam you're older than me we, we, we are not having an age discussion in here. No. We are uh, not having an age discussion. Age is just a number. It but is just a number. It is. And I did hear that, like, um, techno stress is kind of like a cause of anxiety to just keep fidgeting and, like, mm-hmm. looking at something. So, like, I try to, like, not look at it for a little bit at a time um, just so my own little tiny beady eyes get a break. And just, like, for your mental well-being, I know it's not good to have it on. Or, like, yeah. you're not, it's not good to look at it all day, every day. But How about do. you guys? You ever cut yours off? I don't turn it off, but I don't have an insatiate need to be on my phone either. Mm-hmm. I've learned to be able to turn that off. I uh, I had a guest Sorry, Ryan. who admitted that he slept with his phone, and unfortunately he happened to be the youngest guest, and his mother was sitting there, and she was like, so he won't be sleeping with his phone anymore. But um, I have a need uh, to get away from my phone. I mean, I just really, I, I know I can get 60, 70 emails in an hour. And I'm like, mm. so I'm, I'm retraining myself to uh, spend time with me and my job. And I'm doing this productivity thing where I just turn it off for an hour and a half and work. And I'm so much more productive when I don't look at it. And then when I come back, you know, like I can discern what's credible, needable and all that. Yeah, I know, but this I, I feel the opposite. I, well, we're generationally different, though, yeah. right? Yeah, I, I personally, I get stressed if I don't have it on me. Cause I've I, heard that a lot. Yeah, if I were to come back and see as many emails as you got, that would kill me. I'm like, I could have, instead of sitting here now, piling them up, I could have knocked them out one by one and just killed it as we went along. How many of your emails you feel necessary to knock out immediately or whenever? Emails, not many. Texts, several. Like, if I come back, I can't tell you how many times I've tried to do something. Not even intentionally. At my old job, I couldn't have my phone on me at all. If I was away from my phone for three hours and I took a lunch break and I'd run over, I'd have, like, five missed calls, six missed emergency texts. I'm like, oh, this is killing me. I'd rather just have it on me all the time and know what's up. Well, I want to segue. We've been talking about pros and cons of technology on our lives, and I want to segue to a topic that, I am very interested in because I'm seeing a lot of it and I'm seeing results of a lot of it. And um, 
it's a topic that isn't new, you know, since the beginning of time. People with power have been treating people without power in a negative way, and we call it bullying today. And I wanted just to do a brief case study because I really value your opinion and uh, see where we come up on, on the other side of this, okay? All righty. I'm going to, you know me, i got to start out with stats. Oh, look at me, wrong stat, huh? I want to give you another stat. Uh, ready. According to 2015, ready for this? CDC National Youth Risk Behavior Surveillance Report. 20.2% 9 to 12th graders have been bullied in school. That's scary to me. Okay. 17.7% have felt sad and hopeless every day for two or more weeks in a row because of bullying. 15.5% of 9th through 12th graders have been bullied electronically via email, chat rooms, instant messaging, websites, texting in the past 12 months. I am bothered by this because um, I have talked to young people, I shouldn't say they're older than you, but were bullied at a very young age, and they carry with them those scars. And so every chance I get to talk to people closer to that age where they might have seen it, and let me ask you this before I, before I give you the little case study. Have any of you ever been bullied? Seventh grade was rough. Seventh grade was rough? How about you, Hannah? Uh, middle school's a nightmare for everyone. Your body's betraying you. Everyone's yes. terrible. Yes, and that's uh, so true, and that's when it generally blossoms like you know unbelievable yeah i feel like that was definitely like the top of that chart like middle school or grade school was like okay not great middle school was the worst Mm -hmm. and then it kind of like slowly fiddled down from there how about you sam i was never you know physically bullied Mm -hmm. of course you know you can have the emotional bullying that you can uh that i think that people can be deceived uh to be wholly damaging yeah. Um but uh I I didn't I can't say that you know I had a miserable time in middle school and high school. I I was relatively new. Uh I j- just moved to the area so I didn't know a lot of people. So mm-hmm. I had the experience of being the new kid, but I don't think you know I really suffered bullying okay. uh, in any distressing degree. Well, I did, and you know I'm at the end of the toilet paper roll, and I can still remember it. So, <laughs> you know, and it was like elementary school. But um, I, I want to give you just a little bit more information and a very short thing to listen to, okay? Uh, the Student State Representative Program says depression, anxiety, and many other psychological challenges can result from bullying and exposure to violence and can lead to a wide array of negative behaviors and outcomes including alcohol and drug use, self-harm and suicide arrest and gun violence. These are the facts. But now let's look at bullying through an extraordinarily different lens. This guy is amazing. I have seen him perform this entire book. Shane Coyzan, in his now very famous poem to this day 
expresses his own experience of being bullied as a child and the profound and lasting effects on an individual. He also affirms the inner strength that allows people to move beyond the names they are called. I'm going to read you just one verse because it does end with encouragement. And I quote, Every school day was a big top circus tent, and the pecking order went from acrobats to lion tamers, from clowns to carnies. These were miles ahead of who we were. We were freaks, lobster claw boys and bearded ladies, oddities, juggling depression and loneliness, playing solitary, spin the bottle, trying to kiss the wounded parts of ourselves and heal. But at night, while others slept, we kept walking the tightrope. It was practice, and yes, some of us fell. But I want to tell you that all of this is just debris left over when we finally decide to smash all the things we thought we used to be. And if you can't see anything beautiful about yourself, get a better mirror. Get a better mirror. Look a little closer. Stare a little longer because there's something inside of you that made you keep trying despite everyone who told you to quit. You put a cast around your broken heart and you signed it yourself. You signed it, they were wrong. Because maybe you didn't belong to a group or a clique. Maybe they decided to pick you last for a basketball or everything. Maybe you used to bring bruises and broken teeth to show and tell, but you never told. Because how can you hold your ground if everyone around you wants to bury you beneath it? You have to believe. You have to believe they're wrong. They have to be wrong. Why else would you be here? Can you imagine him at 14? Can you get to that? Can you imagine what it had to feel like? Have you ever met a bully that you knew? Oh, yeah. How did they act? Like, uh, like back then? Or whenever, whenever, whenever. I think it's just kind of understanding, like, the intention of their social interactions. Like, are they normal with some people? But for some reason, you're the target for their, like, more malicious attention compared to others. And then you have the people that are just miserable. And they're miserable to everybody around you and them. And that's, like, their own nightmare they probably have to deal with. That's exactly what I was going to ask you. Do you believe that bullies are in pain? I feel like they are, and I feel like it's just always a constant thing of um, uh, validation. And then it's also that issue of if you're not the target anymore, why would you want to get in the way of the kid that is now? Like it's kind of like passing the buck. That that that's interesting because passing the buck but moving out of the way. Exactly. So, in your wisdom now, since all of you have so much of it. How would you approach a bully that you saw in action, or would you? Uh, I always heard just cut it out. Like, that's a lot of energy you're putting that's not doing a whole lot. You would um, confront. You would say yeah. that. Yeah, and mm-hmm. then, uh, but on the flip side, I have heard teachers, um, just because, like, a lot of friends my age are teachers now, like, the kids that are getting bullied, they're like, oh, they're, why are they picking on me? And they have to kind of really resist saying, you're asking for it. <laughs> Look what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you wear a lime green shorts and a pink shirt something that doesn't match to school Mm -hmm. you come upset because everybody called you watermelon boy Mm -hmm. 
you like, right, tip. you're writing it yourself. Yeah. And okay, now here's my question: Did he come dressed that? He or she come dressed that way because that's all they had to wear, or that they chose? I think if they chose, it's their it's their suffering is their fault. Uh, but you know, if a parent has no other way than to supply their kids with green shorts and pink shirts, uh, there might be a greater issue at hand. There's a fine line between bullying and just general teasing, and I think a lot of people now have the like feel sorry for me mentality. Or yeah, the need mm-hmm. to feel validated. I don't. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people. As many people are bullied as they say there are. I think a lot of them probably are just kind of teased here and there, which is normal for being a kid. I do, but when somebody says, yeah. "Are you a bull? Are you bullied?" They they are like, "Well, yeah, I had a bad day once, so yeah, I'm, I'm bullied." I yeah. completely made agree with that. Yeah, like I feel like being bullied and being made fun of are two different things. Because like those percentages, I think, are a lot higher than the true amount of people that suffered mental de- degradation because they were bullied. You know? So okay. I hear you saying several things that are beyond the words that I put out there. One, how do we operationally define bullying? So mm-hmm. for me, right, like when I was in seventh, I said seventh grade was rough for me. Mm-hmm. So seventh grade, I would get calls on my house phone because my number got put out there of these two dudes leaving messages saying they were going to beat me up and not to come to school the next day. Mm-hmm. I would go to school and I would get things stolen from me. I would get, I, cliche as it sounds, I would get thrown into lockers. Like mm-hmm. it was rough. And... Would, and if, was, if sitting here, do you feel that you were bullied? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Okay, all right. And it wasn't like, and I know that sounds like, might sound relatively hypocritical just saying that, like, not everyone is, but I, but I was. But I, I do believe that, yeah, for me, like, that was rough. That was a new level. And then I'd have my other friend who everybody loved him, and he was an awesome dude. He was really nice. And then, <clears throat> like, he had one science class where he got a bad test. And a few kids kind of, like, joked around with him because one of his answers was, like, really stupid. But it was, like, jokes that me and Sam and mm. Hannah would make to each other, whatever. Mm. But because he wasn't used to it, he's like, oh, my God. And it, like, really affected him. He's like, yeah, I'm being bullied. And I'm like, no, no, no. no, no, no. So it's perspective. You, you don't know. Like you're <laughs> Where you sit is where <laughs> you stand. They're joking mm-hmm. right? you. Like, relax. Yeah, that's not you're, – you're okay. And, like, thinking back when you sent the prompt, I was thinking of, like, the people that, you know, like – bullied me but like the more i really thought about it i kind of had like a come to jesus part of oh you were a huge weirdo no duh <laughs> like <laughs> absolutely like i was a i'm this is the calmest i've been ever so they knew oh, that yes yeah, right exactly buckle up uh so like i would just be very loud and spazzy because you could get attention by being loud it wasn't good attention but then kids can kind of pick on you for that and i was they would just get a bear poking stick and poke because they knew i would react like angrily and i would get really upset but that's hilarious for everybody else involved so if i just one day just didn't respond like oh you know that's it the game is over that's right they, that's and right. i was an idiot and didn't pick up on that that's so, right well no it, you were see this is what i wish we had more time we're running mm-hmm. out of time but this this is what's significant we are all works in progress we don't come here exactly. with a rule book mm-hmm. we don't come here with all the knowledge on how to survive and sometimes the mistakes we make and the pain that we have is to make a ba- basis for the miracles we're going to receive, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I, I wanted to talk about bullying. I wanted <laughs> to share this one thing for everybody listening very quickly. Okay. Uh, did any of you, were any of you read the Ugly Duckling story when you were growing up? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you know what that, okay, all right. So um, 
Anyway, I was in the grocery store, and I heard a very nice-looking young lady talking to her friend. And she said, I sent my photo to amiugly.net last night. My head snapped, okay? As soon as I got home, I looked it up. (laughs) Amiugly.net. Net, listen to this. The Am I Ugly subreddit homepage delivered oh. 102,000 results in about .021 seconds. Then it got worse. The first paragraph, do you have deep-seated insecurity issues? Are you constantly looking for validation from family members, colleagues, and retail staff? Instead of bothering your mom and your Instagram followers who are already exhausted or commenting on your photos every time you go fishing for compliments, you should give Am I Ugly a shot. <laughs> it's a page that allows you to post a photo of yourself and get immediate, honest feedback from more than 40,000 faceless strangers. Now, I felt sick, okay? God well, forbid you ever no, no, find no, no, that's amazing. Roast Me. Oh, no. What? God forbid you ever find the Roast Me subreddit. Oh, oh yeah, right, no. right, right. So, but the thing about it is, those ladies took that seriously, and submitted. Okay, Ooh. so give me some feedback. Right. We only have a couple of minutes. Give me uh, real quick. It's great. Um, number one, because it's you could be a little bit more honest about things. Like you know, like I like if someone is subconscious about a nose, and people are like, no, it's fine, it's fine. Someone could be like, oh, it is kind of big. That doesn't mean it's bad. It's your nose, but like you can take that info as you see it, perceived by strangers. And then you have roast me, which is exclusively meant to just destroy Boy, a person. You. That's yeah. the point. I'm completely okay with it. Oh, I yeah. love people getting put in check like that because. Really attractive girls will put up a picture mm-hmm. with, like, some stupid movie quote that's not applicable to their picture at all. And it's just a selfie of them. And they're like, whatever they say. And I, I like the fact that Reddit just puts them in check. The one, I feel like a very big difference is there's a huge one between me putting myself on that site just for laughs and just, you know, self-degradation. And someone forcing another person to be on it. Like, that, okay. that's coming from a bad place. Like, if I was to put your picture on somewhere. Don't do like, that. Yeah, exactly. That, that would be rude. <laughs> like, that would be, I don't that like that. would hurt. Exactly. That would be a rude thing to do. Well, you know what? It, it's starting to get good. It always starts to get good at the end. I don't know why that is. But I guess that means we can come back together and do some real stuff. Get deeper, dig deeper. Very okay. Okay. I have a lot of trauma we can go through. It's All great. right. Well, guess what? I have five seconds to say thank you. We're at Frankly Speaking with Tyra G. And goodbye. <laughs>